With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading today's boxing show. Coming up, we are asking the harshest of questions about a man that we love, Kel Brook. That's the problem. And that's why, listen, it's easy for me to go, yeah, he quit. I'm like you, there's an asterisk next to it because there's something called personal protection and taking responsibility for you and yours and your family and everything else. Yeah, yeah. He's made the right decision for him at that moment. But cutting through all the sugar coating, he still made the decision to stop fighting. And at the fourth time of asking, we're praising St. George Groves. Prison tattoos or not, that kid has got <laughs> big, fat ginger bollocks. Because <laughs> to do what he's done, to come back like that, multiple trainers, multiple opportunities, uh, you know, setbacks, that knockout against Frock, a lot of fighters would never have been the same after that. He to wasn't go- for a period of no, time. No, no. And then to go and fight Badu Jack and to put in a lap, bit of a lacklustre performance there and then to motivate him himself to come back again with Shane McGuigan and... And to be honest, even in this fight as well, two rounds in, I'm thinking, oh, fucking shit. hell, not again. And we've come up with a solution for BT Sports commentary team. We've got the man that you need to go and get. And it's neither me or Nick touting for a job, surprisingly. Are you going to fight him or not? Are you going to fight him or not? Never mind about your management. That's not their decision. What's your decision? There you go. That's what we want. Anyway, Brilliant. get, get Paxman. Get Paxman at ringside. That's <laughs> Get what we Paxman want. Paxman interviewing boxers. <laughs> that's our that's our uh, suggestion to any uh, broadcaster going forward. BT, that's all you need. Go and get Paxman. Paxman. All right. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes Store. Welcome to episode 105 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading. Um, if this is the first time that you've ever come across us, we're on fightdisciples.com. That's our website. There's loads of back episodes there that you can sift through if you're into your boxing or if you're into your UFC, it's all there for you. And please come and join us on social media for a daily conversation, whether it be Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, whatever your poison, you can find us at Fight Disciples. Lots to talk about on today's show, which we will get to in a minute, but... I just want to touch upon the great Manchester run, which I participated in on uh, on Sunday. How'd you get on? I did all right. I finished it. <laughs> um, I just wanted to bring up two points, right? Okay. Now, you know that, obviously, very poignant week in Manchester last week. Um, mm-hmm. Very emotional day. I would like to... If, if you were on the street in Manchester on Sunday supporting anybody that was running or just supporting just the general public thank you so much I've never seen a crowd like it it was absolutely unbelievable now I were there with my dad and my mate right, and I bumped into a few familiar faces some lads that have been on this show for example mm-hmm. yes uh, Mr Quig and Mr Crawler were having a little bit of a run for their various charities as well well done boys now obviously I should have said did they finish ahead of you me being me on the start line thinks to myself do you know something I'm going to have a go I'm going to have a do at these lads here <laughs> why I don't know I've trained my bollocks off I've trained my bollocks off right for, for a good 10 weeks thinking right I'm going to get myself in good shape because I'm going to hit this time right why then on the start line do I think to myself see if I can keep up with Quig <laughs> why <laughs> Why do I do that? Why don't do I think know, to myself, mental. I'm going to see, you know what I mean? You know, he's all right. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a full-time athlete. He does this for fun. He does one of these. He does one of these before breakfast every yeah. single day, right? Just, so. just for a warm-up. And Muggins here thinks to himself, I'm going to see if I can keep up with him, right? Quig, no chance. Quig just set off, right? Yeah, <laughs> like gone. he was Usain Bolt, absolutely gone. He finishes his in 43 minutes. I see him at the end. 
he's absolutely distraught because he's ca- carrying a little bit of extra timber, he says, from his, his last fight. So he's probably stuck on an extra three minutes there. He's normally around 40 minutes. I'm like, all right, more fatter, jog on. <laughs> Crawler, he's a little bit more accommodating to the common man like myself, right? <laughs> Crawler was helping me out. I could see that he was trying to carry me. He's looking at me going, come on, son, I'll, I'll entertain you for a bit. <laughs> Him and all it, because he, he has a big uh, crew that run for the same charity as Anthony. Mm-hmm. So they're all running and he's, he wants to run with them. He's the man of the people, Scott, right? He doesn't want to embarrass anybody. He's the man of the people. So he ends up finishing his 10K in 49 minutes. Very good time if you're the common man. I know that Anthony's done it a lot quicker than that in the past, but he's helping out his people there. He's running running together. And for a period of time, I enjoyed running with him. I enjoyed running with him. The point was, is that I set off for the first two kilometres trying to keep up with Scott Quiggs, right? Yeah, yeah. You could just say that I gassed out. I barossed. That's what I did, mate. <laughs> I went out for leather early doors and my legs went. I ended up finishing it in 55 minutes, which I'm distraught by. But we got there in the end. It was a great day. We raised a few quid for charity. But Scott Quigg, that's it, mate. From now on, if I see you on the on the start line, that, I'm just going to avoid him. Get out of the way. <laughs> Don't try and challenge a professional athlete at a, at a running race because you're going to end up... Uh, One other thing that I'd like to point out as well, right? Um, I listen to music when I'm running. I'm sure most people do. Mm-hmm. What, co- what was you listening to? Oh, the race? oh, I've got everything on there, mate. I've got everything. A little bit. Of are you a dance music or are you a, like a motivational music? No, I'm dance you... music. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got like I had uh, no, I had uh, I was listening to Mambo Ibiza's podcast. Is what I was listening to. Wow, I was out there. 2017 or like 2008. Like the classic, no, 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 oh, the no, new no. stuff. The new stuff. There's some classics in there as well. Right. They're, they're a little bit going. You know what I mean? A little yeah, bit yeah. of house music. So I'm listening to me house music around about um, um, kilometer six, kilometer seven. All right. Now bear in mind the start that I've had. I've gassed out by this point. I've gone. <laughs> my legs have gone. So, so the beats keeping you going. The basically. beats keeping me going. I'm struggling through. I'm just surviving. Is what I'm doing at this moment. Now, but I tell all my friends and family that I'm doing this race because I want them to sponsor me. And they know full well not to ring me during the race, right? They know full well not to do this because obviously I'm concentrating. And if you ring me, you are taking, the ringtone will take over the music. Yeah. And therefore that will distract me. It will put me off. I might have to answer the phone because it's got to be an emergency. If somebody's somebody's contacting you during the race, it's got to be an emergency, Nick. Let me tell you. Anyway. Between six and seven, right, kilometres. I'm, I don't I'm, know where this is going. I'm right in there, mate. There's a little bit of house music going on. I've, I've, I'm, I'm just about to find me second win. Nothing, don't disturb me now because I'm concentrating. I'm right in. <laughs> phone goes, right? Yeah. Phone goes. Now, I don't know what's up with my phone, but if you either, if you text me, my phone will beep on two or three occasions. So it beeps once, and then it sounds like another message has come through, Then it sounds like another message, but there's only one message there. It's weird. I need to sort it out, right? So about three of these things go off in my head. I'm thinking... Is that my wife? Is there something wrong with the kids? All this type of stuff. I chose at that point to ignore it. I took a chance, right? I took a chance. I decided to ignore it because I wanted to complete the race. I guess I thought it might be my wife about the kids. I chose to ignore it. I did. (laughs) I took a chance is what I did. I took the chance of getting a bollocking later, right? I get to the finish. I get to my water. I'm I'm, I'm sorted. I'm ecstatic that I've finished. I managed to get through it. I then remember that somebody messaged me during the race. I goes to my phone to check it. Who is it? Your dad. <laughs> my dad? Your dad, right? <laughs> Has messaged me during the race, wishing me luck. So basically, <laughs> Mr. Pete's at home watching this on TV. You're going, oh, Adam's running that. I'll send him a message now. Brilliant. I'm in the middle of the bloody race, man. <laughs> Maybe he's seen you on the telly. <laughs> I don't know what he's done. Sending me messages, wishing me luck during the race, threatening me. Anyway, Mr. Pete, thank you very much for your well wishes. And on the flip side of that, I obviously responded to him afterwards, mm-hmm. saying, listen, I was in the middle of the race, thank you very much for Brilliant. all the messages and all this type of stuff. I told him about Quig and Crawler. He, yep. pretty, he loved that. But then he tried, to, he tried to comfort me by saying, he's a professional athlete, Adam. Don't be competing with professional athletes. That's the right thing to say. That's what right. you didn't need to say, Mr. Pete, off the back of that was... You and Nick don't get out of bed till 12 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> he said what? That's exactly what he said. He said, you two lads don't get out of bed till 12. I said, are you being serious? We've got two kids under four years of age each, right? If I get to 6am, mate, I've had a lion. Unbelievable. So yeah, he's on That's cloud. unreal. He's on cloud cuckoo land. He's your dad, let me tell you. Brilliant. Anyway, thanks for the message. Thanks for the vote of support. And if you sponsored me, by the way, uh, much appreciated too. There you go. Right, let's get on with uh, get the on reason why I wasn't at, uh, that was the reason why I wasn't at Bramall Lane on Saturday night, but I managed yeah. to sit down, get the old pay-per-view on and have a right old nosy in. And there's a lot to talk about. I'm going to wait you for it straight away, mate. We're going straight in. We're not okay. messing about because social media has been rife. 
there's fighters even uh, debating uh, yep. the, 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 the outcome of the Kell Brook Errol Spence Jr. fight. Question, did he quit? Yep. Oof, you've gone in. You see, my answer's the same, but I have a, a prefix that, well, no, not a prefix. I, the, the, there's a consequence to my answer. So I say, yes, he did. Yeah. But I'd have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing. Yeah. I know I'm not a fighter. I, uh, and I listened to Bellew at the end, the way that he was talking about it. Now, I just want to say something on Bellew, right? Because mm-hmm. you know that we love him to pieces. Bellew will go to places in a fight that nobody on in the world will go to, right? Yeah. He's a nutcase. He will go that extra mile in order to win. That, but that's what it takes. Okay, right, yeah. Because Kel did that against Sean Porter. He went the extra mile. He was hurt against Sean Porter, yet he went through the extra mile. But... And he became world champion. if somebody has told you, right, in your last fight, you're mm-hmm. 30 seconds away from going blind, mate. Yeah. 30 seconds away. And that's what he was told. That's fact. He was told that. And you feel the same injury the next time out. In the other eye. So it's even worse because you're kind of panicking then. Is it worth it? I don't know. That's the problem. And that's why, listen, it's easy for me to go, yeah, he quit. I'm like you. There's an asterisk next to it because there's something called personal protection and taking responsibility for you and yours and your family and everything else. Yeah, yeah. He's made the right decision for him at that moment. But cutting through all the sugarcoating, he still made the decision to stop fighting. He made the decision that he wasn't physically capable to box anymore against Errol Spence on that night. The point I think Tony Bell you made and the point that was followed up later on social media Certainly by I think I think Javonta Davis had put something out there and a few a few fighters. Javonta Davis, I think uh, um, Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, uh, Terence Crawford. A few had a bit of a pop, mm. and they basically said, "In your hometown, in a stadium with thirty thousand people there to support you, defend your world title, you make the decision you don't want to fight anymore." I think that's the psychology that Crawford. Spence, uh, Javonta Davis, you know, Eubank Jr., Tony Bellew. Well, That's Eubank- what they don't appreciate. They're world champions. They've been there. They've gone through it. They know what uh, what what well, you've got to be willing right, with, to put on the line. Right, with that then, right. Bellew, yeah. I'm taking Eubank Jr. out of it, right? I'll get to him in a minute. We're going to talk about him later on the clown. But Javonta, yeah. Terence Crawford, <clears throat> we're talking undefeated lads, yeah. world title. Yeah. So therefore, they're t- they're giving you an answer of what they think they would answer the question as. You know yeah. what I mean? If they're presented with the question, they are then answering it how they would think they would answer it. For example, if you ask this question to Kelbrook, if the Kelbrook, right, put it this way, this is a, this is how I see it. If Errol Spence Jr. is the fight before Golovkin, mm-hmm. Kelbrook does not quit. Yeah. That's what I think. I agree. I agree. He completely. continues. He goes all the way through it. The, I completely agree. The psychology of him having that conversation with his surgeon has made him act differently than what he would normally have acted like. For yeah. me, he's not a quitter. And we saw that in, in the Golovkin fight. He wasn't going anywhere. No. It was Dominic Ingle who that saved him. <clears throat> he saved him in that particular fight. Yeah. But because of that conversation with the surgeon to say, listen, mate, if this goes on 30, 40 seconds further, you're, you could have lost your eyesight. Mm-hmm. Could have been some serious damage here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? that has affected the way that he has made that decision. But then it's affected his entire approach, I would argue, then. It's, it's affected him, it's changed him on as a, a personal level. It's changed him as a fighter. So where does he go from here? Does he continue to box? Because now, as a fan, never mind as a rival of potential opponents, but as a fan, I know if you take him where he doesn't want to go, he'll quit. He will psycholo- He's psychologically broken. So either Kelbrook goes well, away and works it? with a sports psychologist. Is it? Uh, yes, because he's n- unwilling to go through but only, what you've got to go through but to what become a, a world champion. But only with that particular injury. Potentially. What happens if his shoulder pops out next time or he breaks his hand? The doubts in his mind, well, I can't win now, I've got a broken hand. I'm going to win with one hand, that's impossible. Well, he, he was willing to pull out because he could only see, he had blurred vision in one eye. Oh, I better pull out here because I can only see through one eye and I'm losing rounds now anyway. I don't want to get... St- For me, the realisation was, yes, he was reliving the Golovkin moment. He was reliving that moment of double vision where he thinks, wow, 
Dominic Ingle pulled him out. The doctor said afterwards what he said and everything else, and that is playing on his mind. And as, as vision goes again, he's like, wow, realization, family. Oh, you know, do I really want to spend the rest of my rest of my days, you know, with with, with bad eyesight or you know, going partially yes. blind in one eye or whatever it may when be. I, when I see a blinking fighter, I always think of Gerald McClellan. Yeah, me too. I know what you mean, and obviously we there's things put in place to stop that, hmm. and the referee needs to play a role at that point as well. The referee should be the one making the decision to stop the fight mm. at that point. However, the referee didn't have to make that decision. And Dominic Ingle, even though he was climbing into the ring, I believe Dominic Ingle would have stopped the fight had Kel not stopped it anyway, because at, during that count when he quit, he's looking at Dominic Ingle, and he's looking at Dominic Ingle to save him. He's looking at him saying, I don't want this anymore. Mm. If a fighter stops, picks themselves up, beats the nine count or whatever, and is looking at their opponent or looking at the referee to address the referee, they want to continue. If that oppo- if you stand up at nine and you're looking at your corner still, you don't want to fight no more because you're looking at your corner to get you out of there. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. And that was the situation he was in. And that's why his body language said he didn't want to do it no more. The point I'm trying to make is Kel Brook quit against Spence and that's no slight on Kel Brook he, he took a savage beating for those last two or three rounds the fight the momentum of the fight had totally switched Spence's tail was up in the air he was winning that fight now he was up on the scorecards we were looking down the battle of the championship rounds mm. the crowd had turned the crowd knew it was it was gone he was physically exhausted Kel Brook suddenly the weight cut dawns on him everything else the stacks the cards were well and truly stacked against him and at that moment he refused to go against the odds, he refused to continue. He chose to f- to. He didn't want to fight anymore. He didn't want to roll the dice. He didn't want to do it no more. Mm. And that psychologically needs to be analysed and thought about and discussed whether he even continues anymore. Because again, he could get caught by another shot in the first round of his next fight in a you know in a in a in a, in a bounce back fight in a European level fight. He could that could happen again. He could break his hand. He could. What will he do then? Does he need to get out again because he can't fight with one hand? Or I think that's what Tony Bellew was trying to say. It's like, if you're not willing to go through it, then you've got no place being in boxing at this level because the other guy is willing. Errol Spence lost rounds. He was behind. early First half of the fight, Errol Spence is chasing the fight. Mm. Brooke looked faster. He looked a lot stronger and he looked a lot bigger. Errol Spence, wow, you're thinking, this has come too soon for him. This has come too soon. He looks like a boy against a man. Yet the boy went through it. He didn't get disheartened. He didn't panic. He didn't change his game plan. He just stuck with what he wanted to do. And that was get through to Kelbrook and break Kelbrook. And that's what he did. He broke him. Hmm. He broke him and made him quit. It's one of those debates that will divide uh, fans without any shadow of a doubt. For me, I personally think he did the right thing for him. Yeah. Because... Again, I'm not a fighter and therefore I don't know how far I would go in order to achieve something on this level where yep. it could actually damage my health. And it would, da- listen, if he goes, we don't know what would have happened in the next four minutes that was remaining of this fight. We don't know. We now know that he lives to fight another day. That's the yep. words that came out of his mouth. That's the fi- words that have come out of Dominic Ingle's mouth. Yep. Whether that is true and whether that happens, I don't know. I personally would love to see him fight at 154. I really, really would. I think Me he's got too. a lot to offer at £154. And I hope, one, you get back to full health, Kel, if you're listening to the show, because I know you've been a massive supporter of ours. And oh, He's uh, brilliant. I absolutely adore Kel Brook. And as an athlete, he's phenomenal. But we can't sugarcoat the fact we're not that he, it. He, he had to make a decision. That was the best decision we're not sugarcoating for him it. We, we, at that moment. Yeah. What I'm saying is, if he moves up to 154, and I was a 154 world champion... You'd go for his eye straight away. I'd have him. I'd, I'd, pick, I'd, I'd, I'd fight Kel Brook, definitely. Because in his last two fights, he's been made to quit. Mm. You know, his body's broke. Whether that's his body breaking down on him or whatever. But I know if I take him into trenches, I believe I want it more than him. I can make him quit. And I think that everyone in at the top level of boxing will have that mentality with Kel Brook now. It's going to be so tough for him to come back. Because the guy he's fighting in his next fight could be 10 rounds down on the scorecards. But he'll think, if I just catch him, if I just get him in trouble, he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to get hurt. That's all I've got to do. I'm willing to get hurt. He isn't. And that's what people will think. Whether that's a true analogy of where Kelbrook is psychologically or not, 
opponents will think that. Mm. I think your analysis of Errol Spence Jr. was spot on a couple of minutes ago when you were talking about him being behind. I mean, I scored it 4-2 at 6 to yep. Kel. He was behind. I didn't see any way back for him because Kel was getting stronger and stronger. Look great, yeah. But then from uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, as we found out, I thought he won every round from that point onwards. And obviously there was a knockdown in there at the point of the stoppage. I had him 5-4 up. Uh, with uh, that knockdown, which in effect was a three-round uh, swear towards uh, Errol Spence Jr. as the judges reciprocated that with the way that they scored the fight. Mm-hmm. How much of the real deal is he? Is this too early for us to start calling him right up there with the top boys? I mean, he classes himself as the best in the welterweight division. I know that Thurman's your boys in, in, in that particular division, but that was a huge test at the weekend. To yep. One, Master for, test. foreign country, stadium fight, uh, partisan crowd. You're behind on the scorecards halfway through the fight and you turn it round and did the business. And Yeah, exactly. And I think that more than anything else, the manner of the victory in terms of it for, for Errol Spence made it so much greater and will give him so much more confidence that he can come over here, he can go against adversity, go against the crowd, well, that's the be ultimate behind test. on the scorecards. the ultimate test. Everything was the turn test. turn it around, yeah. turn it right on its head and get the finish as well. Not even the finish, make the guy quit. You know, in boxing terms, that is so big. That is, in a lot of ways, that's that's better than getting a clean knockout, because you made the guy. The guy has made the decision. He no it. longer wants to fight you, mm. and that was. You could see that because it, Spence broke him down. He broke Kell Brook down, and in the end, Kell Brook didn't want it anymore. It was no more. He mm. didn't want to fight anymore. So for for now, Errol Spence, we've been really lucky these last couple of weeks that we've had Javonta Davis here absolutely. and now we've had Errol Spence as well two absolute phenomenal fighters that are going to have long careers in the game and long careers of dominance I believe as well I think this kid's similar to Javonta Davis he's not the number one in the weight class right now but he will be soon I think he will go on to dominate this weight class as good as it is you know, don't get me wrong Sean Porter Keith Furman you know, Manny Pacquiao of course as well there's, there's real talent in this weight division. Terence is coming up. <laughs> that's the one you see. That's the, that for me. That's kind of like the super fight for this little weight division now yeah, because yeah. I, I imagine Thurman. Thurman obviously I'd like to see him fight Pacquiao at some stage, but I think Thurman Porter probably makes more sense. I'd like to see Errol Spence get a couple of defences and then look at something like a unification fight. It's a hot division, and we speak that's about brilliant. it in, in, in great length on our Radio City Talk Show this week as we celebrate a year on. Uh, for Tony Bellew becoming WBC Cruiserweight Champion. On that show also, we uh, celebrate a fantastic time to be a fan of the welterweights. It's a golden era for welterweight boxing. Go and check it out. It's available on our website, uh, fightdisciples.com. Now, a lot of the chat there that we just had was about uh, the psychological effect that the Golovkin fight has had on Kell Brook. Um, how he bounces back from that. Obviously, now he's had two on the spin, two losses on the spin, yep. with the two similar injuries on either eye. It's going to be a massive... It's been a long road back. It's got a lo- long road back psychologically for him, not physically, mm. but psychologically for him. Speaking of long roads back psychologically, George Amazing. Groves, right? <laughs> George Groves. Think about all the things that have happened to George Groves when he has been there or thereabouts at world level. First fight against Carl Frost. Robbed. Absolutely robbed. He puts him down first round. He boxes absolutely beautifully. Premature stoppage. Um, Mr. Foster is the yeah. man that calls it off nice and early. Second fight against Frotchie. Wembley. Wembley 80, how, many, how many was it? 80 Frotch, just in case Sorry, you're Carl. Just 80. Sorry to remind you, Carl. Only 80. Gets absolutely starched with probably the no- best knockout One that best I've knockouts. ever seen. One it was best, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Then he goes and fights Badu Jack in a fight that he should have won, didn't put his foot down on the gas, blames yeah. his corner for the wrong instructions, loses that title. Gets his fourth opportunity. Now, now bear in mind, he's changed trainers, he's done all different types of stuff to get himself to this situation. Now, I have no doubt, in years gone by, he will have read articles that people like me and you in this uh, media have written about him saying all the talent in the world doesn't have it upstairs. Can't get over the line. All this type of stuff. Yep. So to to come back for a fourth occasion and to do it in the manner that he did it at the weekend, I couldn't be more delighted for a fighter because no. everybody loves an underdog story. Yeah. Prison tattoos or not, that kid has got <laughs> big, fat ginger bollocks because <laughs> to do what he's done to come back like that multiple trainers multiple opportunities uh, you know 
setbacks, that knockout against Frock, a lot of fighters would never have been the same after that. He to wasn't go, for a period of time. No, no. And then to go and fight Badu Jack and to put in a lack, bit of a lacklustre performance there and then to motivate him himself to come back again with Shane McGuigan. And and to be honest, even in this fight as well, two rounds in, I'm thinking, oh, fucking shit. hell, not again. What is it with George Groves and getting these world champions, like riding the peak? And obviously this was for the vacant belt, sorry, but obviously yeah. Chudanov fought Felix Sturm. They had that weird draw. And anyway, that's what set up this fight. But Chudanov went in. Chudanov went in as there a, like a, a fucking steam train, man. It was like, what? Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, I know we've been bigging him up on the show for a while. We knew he was good. We, we I didn't know he was good. like that, though. But I didn't know he was just going to walk through George Groves. That was his mentality. He was yeah. like a fucking Doctor Who villain. <laughs> he was just like, mass destroy, mass destroy. It's like there was no holding him back, and George was hitting him with decent jabs. Well, his jab didn't come into the never game. Never got it going, did he? He never really got his jab going, sorry. But he's throwing these shots and hit big shots, and Chudanov's just like, um. I'm, I'm eating them up, walking them down. The only saving grace for me, and I, I messaged you about this on the night, Chudanov, for all his desire and all his fucking rel- relentless pace, pushing the fight, pushing the fight, not giving George Groves inch. By the way, I thought Chudanov's footwork was excellent. He cut the ring down. Amazing. Groves just couldn't breathe at one point. Yeah, yeah. But the only saving grace was Chudanov was a bit of a whaler, a bit of a... You could see it coming. Rah. You could see the shots. So there was no speed in his punches. There's no zip at all. He didn't He didn't throw short, sharp shots, which at least then allows you to... Oh, there's a body shot. Oh, there's a head shot. You know, you can, you can, you're prepared for it to come. I think that was kind of Groves' saving grace and helped him get through those early rounds. But two rounds in, I'm thinking, oh, my God. Groves is going to get stopped here. Like, this kid ain't just just ain't going to stop. And Groves... I messaged you the other night. It's like, Groves better be fit. Because this kid ain't stopping. And from the looks of it, it looked like the stoppage wasn't going to come, but then Groves puts it all together and, you know, what a way to do it. Well, Carl, Carl Froch famously said about George Groves that you can break his heart. Is mm-hmm. basically what he said. I think he's written it in his book or something. And enough must have read it. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. just gone, right, I'm just going to take everything he's got for six rounds and then I'll do him down the stretch. Yeah. And I think that was, was the plan. He was defending shots with his face, man. Yeah, yeah. Fair play, he is tough as old boots because he was Big going time. nowhere. He, would not, he wouldn't have got knocked out. No. Yes, it was stopped and it was stopped at the right time. It was. Do you know something? When it was stopped, I so wanted at that point Richie Woodall to be on commentary. So wanted him to be there to go... <laughs> Nah, I think he's gone too early. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good stoppage. Steve Gray's a good referee. It was man. a great was a really stoppage. stoppage. It was stopped at the right time without any shadow of doubt. But Chudnoff weren't going anywhere. No, he wasn't. No. He wasn't getting knocked out. He wasn't. And that's that's the worrying thing. Coming back to Kel Brook earlier as well, Groves has got a reputation as someone that will quit. And Chudnoff, as you say, whether it was indirectly or whatever, Chudnoff fought the fight. His approach was like... To make him quit. He'll quit. If I just put pressure on him, don't give him an inch, keep hitting him with everything, eventually he'll just give in. And for Groves not to give in, for Groves to silence all his doubters and to come back and put in, come back from a tough couple of rounds at the beginning to get the stoppage, that... I was so happy for him because it, you know, he's a ha- he's a nice lad, George Groves as well. He's a bit of a well, strange fish, but he's a nice lad. Well, let's get on that right because this is where it's at. As a as a human being, mm-hmm. as a fighter, I've always appreciated appreciated him because fantastic jab. I think he's a, a bag of talent. Yeah, very underestimated. Obviously, he goes in there against James Gale, does a job. I've tipped him for the first cr- uh, frotch fight, and after the first round, I thought I were quids in. However, it never materialised. Yeah. I've always rated his talent, but as a guy. I just thought, I can't really connect with you. No. Like all that stuff with the Rubik's Cube and all these types of things. I've not really connected with him, right? At the end of the fight, he wins the fight. He's the world champion. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the first times that I've gone, you're actually a decent geezer, mate. I yeah, actually yeah. like you. And it was like the weight of the world had gone off his shoulders. It is. The monkey was off his back. He spoke about um, the situation with Edward Goodneck. He dedicated the victory to Goodneck, actually. The way that he spoke about Goodneck, the way that he said, listen, that is with me every single hour of every single day. I never stop thinking about it. The way that he spoke about it so respectfully, the way that he just... I just thought to myself, do you know something? You need to show people this. Yeah, yeah. Show us this. Yeah, yeah. I know that I know that it's now gone. The monkey's off your back, and you can probably be that person now mm-hmm. because of all that expectancy that was pre becoming world champion. Yeah, when you don't achieve that dream, then obviously you, everybody's got that thing to point at you. But now you've done it. Now you are world champion. You can breathe a bit, yeah. and you can be you. And I've no doubt now. 
we're going to see an even better George Groves because he's going to be a lot more relaxed. He's going to be a lot more chilled. He'll I hope back, so. He'll go about his work a lot better. Yeah. I just hope that we see a lot more of that personality because he was top class at the way that that fight finished. But that, it's funny, isn't it? Because that's the real George Groves and that works. George, the real George Groves is what we want. That's what we want as fans. We want that. And yet, you know, there's other personalities in boxing that we that we buy into straight away. Like we, we're, we're obviously biased, but... We buy into Tony Bellew, Tony the Bomber Bellew. We love it. We buy but do, into, but do we, we buy, buy into, into Tyson that? Fury? But do yeah, but this is you've just mentioned two guys there that I was going to bring up. Do we buy into them because we actually know the real one? Yeah, potentially. We're, yeah, only, yeah. we're only talking about from mine and your point of view. Yeah, we yeah. know we know them on a personal level. We've seen them in yeah. a different light that they show the media. Of course. So we can defend the real person because we know they're acting in a way. Yeah, yeah. They're creating a persona for Character. for the fans, and that's what George Groves has tried to do. Yeah, with the Rubik's Cube. At but the I, press I don't know George Groves. All that kind of stuff. So I see the real George Groves at the weekend. For the first time, go, kind of thing. Sal, mate. Yeah, I, think I like you're a top you. Yeah, guy. yeah. I think yeah, you're yeah. a good guy. Strange. It's strange how we, you know, because we're all about the entertainment. At the end of the day, it's show business. We're all about. But for George Groves, it's just never kind of clicked. With Tony Bellew, you love him or you... Tony Bomber Bellew, fans love him or you hate him. doesn't yeah. matter, but you want to watch him. Same with Conor McGregor. You can't not watch Conor McGregor. You yeah. can't not see what he's going to do. George, I've never gone, fuck me, George Groves' press conference on. I've got to see what he's going to get up to this week. I don't really care about him that much. Yeah. But when we get to see the real George Groves post-fight like that, that was the first time I thought, wow, I'm really buying into you as an individual. Yeah, yeah. You're a fucking really nice fella. Like yeah, yeah. for you to say that about Gutenek and dedicate the win to him and just reveal that bit where you're like, I the think about it every minute yeah, of every just give day. Me that thought, vulnerability. Fucking hell, yeah, man, that's amazing. You've just proved that you are really like a human being. Yeah, yeah. That you're not a robot. That you're not this. Is is his character that he tried to portray this thinking fighter? This like you know, it just hasn't resonated with us. But the real George Groves did on Saturday night. No. I say massive breakthrough moment. From my person, my point of view, it's just a shame it's happened so late in his career. Mm. I don't expect George Groves to be world champion for too for too long. I don't think he's the best. Far from the best. He thinks he is though. There. I was going to ask you who is. He certainly isn't. He's got a good argument though, man. Because well, I'll tell you who's what, the best in that division then? It's got to be James DeGale. But he's beaten James DeGale. So he's got to go in with James DeGale again now then. Let's see what happens the second, next, third time around. Here, here, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> we've got to see that fight again now. Because <laughs> his argument would be, I've beaten the guy that everybody's saying. I, yeah, you're all telling me that the IBF champion's the man. I've beaten the man. Yeah, twice. So I'm the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I've beaten him in the amateurs and I've beaten him in the pros. So what yeah. more do I need to do? Go and fight him again. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's what we want to see in a stadium, which is what we were talking about on our Radio City talk show this week. Definitely go and check that out. Congratulations, George Groves. I'm absolutely delighted for you, mate. And more of that personality, please, my friend. Also, another thing that we speak about on our Radio City talk show, just in case you're wondering why we're not touching upon it now, how many disqualifications should there have been on uh, on mm-hmm. Saturday night? We went for three. We went for the whole three. Uh, but we've gone for a little bit more of an in-depth discussion on that on our Radio City talk show. Please go and check it out. We also talk about not taking this for granted as a golden era. One man that we didn't talk about on our Radio City talk show, which we'll touch upon right now, is Dave Allen. Yep. Again, personality of an absolute legend. We think the kid is a diamond geezer, and we were screaming for him to do the business at the weekend. However, I've said this on many, many occasions, there's plenty of geezers that I absolutely adore in this boxing boxing game because they're just salt of the earth, top-class characters. But there's levels to this game. Yeah, yeah. And the elite level, or even to get to a British level and a Commonwealth level and a European level, yeah, there's got to be something else other than a personality behind it. And for me, Dave Allen sadly just falls short. I love him still. I think he's a top geezer, and I, I you know, I want to see him. I want to see him do well. Yeah. But I'm not surprised that it didn't go his way at the weekend, no. and especially after watching the performance. I just thought it's just not there, mate. I know. It's he, you know, it's. It's funny that's his third consecutive Sky Sports sports pay per view fight. Apparently, mm. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, he's nowhere near this level. He's nowhere near this level. But his personality, we're buying into him because of yeah, his personality. His personality. We want him to do well. We want him to achieve. But even he admitted, you know, this may be a step too far for him. You know, it's, and it's a shame because he is just such a nice fella and he resonates with us and he's so brutally honest with his own assessment of his yeah, performance yeah. as well. And I've seen a lot of people on social media, oh, you should have got the decision there. Nowhere near. But and he, he was like, no, I got found out at this level. I'm not that level yet. So the, the thing that highlighted to me, and again, you know, they, we love Dave Allen. We love him in this sport because he offers so much on a personal level that we can relate to. Yeah. And we want him to do he's well. He's great for people like me and you. Exactly. He's like, like a, doing what we do. He's great. Come on the show. Let's have a crack. Exactly. Let's have a giggle. Yeah. 
But even he realises, you know, even the Commonwealth heavyweight title was a stretch too far from the weekend. But one thing I did take away from it was, we talk about it all the time, we talk about it on Radio City Talk Show, we talk about Anthony Fowler this week, about young British fighters, former Olympians, former Team GB guys, going in and being spoon-fed opponents. I'm telling you now, Daniel Dubois would win that Commonwealth heavyweight title fight. Mm. He would beat that Lenroy Thomas in his next fight. Yeah, he would. Not a problem. The problem is he's only 19. <laughs> so you've got to try and keep the reins on him a little bit. Yeah. But he must have watched that Daniel Dubois triple D and thought, okay, now, wouldn't last three rounds with me. Well, the, prob- be right. well, the problem is, is that he goes in with Lenroy Thomas, he beats him, and yeah. then there's an expectancy of, right, next one. Yeah, next, ne- next level up. And the next one at 19 years of age just might be a touch too far. You don't yeah, want to yeah. go too quick too soon, do you? He's going to come. He's yeah, going to yeah. become a world champion. He's going to be British champion. He's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a case of... Go at le- that age, keep the reins on a little bit. Go and learn a little bit, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What did you make of uh, What did you make of Jamie Cox's performance? Disappointed. Going to be dead honest with you, mate. I mean, I said last week when we were talking about the best kept secrets in British boxing, and I made my judgment on Jamie Cox probably off the back of what we were talking about, his £154 career, mm-hmm. which kind of stagnated. And then he comes back as a super middleweight, and yeah. there's all there's all this delay in the ring. He's not been in there for a couple of years, and I was thinking, with hindsight, rose tinted glasses. I remember watching him; and he's brilliant. This kid, yeah. when he comes back, he's going to be amazing. All he needs is a little bit of a push. We a good promoter yeah. and all this type of stuff. Said it all last week. Yeah, he didn't like me on fire. I'll, I'll be honest with you. At the weekend, I watched it. The weekend, I'm thinking, Jamie, what's going on here, lad? And then obviously, the way that it all finishes and what have you, I'm thinking, Pfft. I'm going to let him off. Because of the way, same way that I'm letting off Anthony Fowler, right? Mm-hmm. Big stadium fight, first time back, first time we're a new promoter, probably nervous as they come. Get it out of your system, and then hopefully next time out we're going to see something different. But off the back of that performance at the weekend, whatever. Yeah. That's where I'm at, just whatever. It's funny because watching it, building up to it, like last week's show, we go, yeah, 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 he's fucking great, isn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm remembering all these little flashback moments from early in his career where I thought, yeah, and I'm listening to Sky, they're building him up and whatever else. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, oh, Jamie Cox, yeah, yeah, he's got it all. You know, he's going to be a superstar. And then one round into the fight on Saturday, I thought, oh, that Jamie Cox. Oh, I remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going nowhere if you keep fighting like that. <laughs> and that's what I've been... I suddenly remembered that because I haven't seen him for so long, the flashback of... The tail end of before he transit transferred from light middle up to super middle before he disappeared for eighteen months. The tail end of that when I thought, "What the fuck are you fighting like that for? Why aren't you using the skills? You're supposed to be this amazing prospect, mm. and you're brawling. What are you fucking brawling for? Mm. Like use your talents. What what's his corner doing? What is going on? All that came rushing back one round in. I thought, I remember you. You're the guy we're all getting excited about, but doesn't deliver when it matters. Do you know what it's like? He just brawls. It's like Everton now signing Rooney. This is what it's like, right? So what all Evertonians will be doing, they'll be thinking, we're going to get the Rooney that was 16 years of age when he burst on the scene and gave everybody a good eye, didn't you? And he was absolutely amazing for us. That's that goal Ro- against Arsenal that's on his the, debut. That, that's the Rooney that we're going to get. No, you're going to get the Rooney that's currently at Man United, mate. That's what you're that's gonna, on the bench at Man United. Yeah, that's, that's what you're going to come and get. He's going to come and he's going to disappoint you. Yeah. That's where we were at last week. We were thinking we were getting Jamie Cox that burst yeah, onto the scene. Exactly. That's what we thought we were getting. But, we've now got Wayne Rooney. But we've got, yeah, exactly. We've got the <laughs> Jamie Cox that is still not performing on a big stage, still just doesn't seem to be using his skills. Like, what? Are, I don't know what's going on in that corner, but do they just want him to brawl like a like a nonsense Mexican? You know what I mean? They just want him to rush in there and just throw it and get caught with silly shots. Mm. And do you know what I mean? It was like, I just. He should be beyond that level now. What's he been doing while he's away? Like, is he not matured? Is he not? He's not a thinking fighter. He just gets in there and has a fight. Because watching that, I was like, I feel bad now that the other week we were going, oh, Rocky Fielding, be careful. Jamie Cox is coming for you. After watching that Saturday, I'm like, fuck it, man. If I was Rocky Fielding, I'd be like, yeah, bring him on. He can be it. And I'll hit him. Yeah. And I'll stop him. And he hits hard. Exactly. Mm. So I've completely flip-flopped on that potential British title fight now. Same, same. Because when it was I made, I was fancy like, Rocky Field and to stop Jamie Cox yeah. if he fights like that again. And, and then I thought, he's been fighting like that for ages. Jamie Cox, man, come on. Step it up. Let's see what you've got. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now for the second week on The Spin, there's a little bit of Friday night boxing. Getting used to this now. Stop. Don't, whatever you do, don't take it away. Don't, don't be spoiling me with these Friday night fights. And then we're whipping it from under my feet. Um, it's Box Nation this weekend. Uh, and when Bradley Skeets 
is uh, is fighting. It's obviously Brentwood. They're obviously going to Brentwood in Essex. <laughs> Got him, aren't you? That's where he fights all the time. There's Bradley. Oh, Very talented welterweight, Bradley. I'm a big fan of his. This Box Nation, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Box Nation, yeah. He's taking on Shane Singleton, uh, defending his uh, British welterweight crown. Last couple of times I've watched Bradley, I think he's looked really, really good. And I understand, and I know that you're going to defend him. You're going to say it, aren't you? What? You're going to dis- use the description for him that you always use? No, I'm not going to use pillow fists. I'm not going to use that. I think he's a good fighter, is Bradley Skeet. Yeah. What I'm going to say is this. I understand that you love the Lonsdale belt. Let's oh, defend yeah. it three times so we get to put it on a mantelpiece. Right? Fine. Okay. That's Isn't cool. He does an English title on that card as well. And hopefully... Oh, stop. Right. Hopefully, <laughs> that's the only reason that Bradley Skeet is continuing to fight at this level. Because for me... I mean, we saw what he did with Sam Eggington. Look where Sam Eggington is now compared to where Bradley Skeet is. Yeah. Sam Eggington's fighting Paulie Malanazzi. Sam Eggington's calling out Danny Garcia. Yeah. Bradley Skeet ain't. And Bradley Skeet, three, four fights ago, beat Sam Eggington. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, there's defending the belt, there's winning it outright, there's achieving that dream. That's cool. As soon as that's done, mate, we got to go up. we got to go up in level, haven't we, to see how good you really are. Because your lad's not messed about. Eggington got beat off you and he's flying through everybody. Exactly. It, it kind of... I, I get it because, you know, listen... Of course you me, get it. You want the bloody Lonsdale belt. The Lonsdale belt, belt is the most piece. beautiful thing in boxing. So I get why Bradley Skeet is sticking around to do it. But you're right. He must be looking at where Sam Eggington is and where he's not and thinking, I've basically treading water here. That's what I, he's doing. I beat that guy. I'm just treading water. The problem is, as soon as you do step him up, any world-class operator is going to look at his punch record, his punch power, and go, I'll, just, I'll, I'll walk through him. Mm. I'll walk through him. And listen, Bradley Skeet's got a great record. He's lost what? He lost one in 26. Um, it's, but it's, it's, we're at that point now, now or never. Now or never for him. You know, Once this British title belt is put away, locked away forever in his, in his mantelpiece this weekend, he's got to try and move on. He's got to try and... He's, you know, let's be honest, he's chasing Sam Eggington now, where Sam is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's happening on Friday night, Box Nation. Check it out. He's taking on Shane Singleton. I fully anticipate Bradley Skeet to come through that and do yeah. the business. Uh, and then hopefully we'll get to see him in uh, a fight. Harley Ben on that card this weekend. Yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, again, Brentwood. Got to be, in it? If it's yeah, Brentwood, exactly. it's like us with Liverpool, lads. It's got to be Rocky. It's got to be Callum. <laughs> get all Smith brothers out. That's what happens up here. So when it's in Brentwood, it's Harley Ben and uh, the likes of Bradley Skeet and all them boys. You know what I mean? Is Charlie Edwards on there as well? <laughs> He's got to be on there, hasn't he, at some point? Anyway, um, Saturday night on the world level, at last, he's back in the ring. Adonis Stevenson. Where have you been? Hell, exactly. Where have you been, Superman? Where have you been? Anyway, he's been a year. He's been out for a year. God knows where he's been. Yeah, he's been he's been uh, rifling through my Instagram. Is what he's been <laughs> posting videos every single day, dancing in his blooming Bentley. Anyway, Adonis is back in action. It's the rematch with uh, Andre Fonfara. Yeah, yeah. Fonfara, a man that we're familiar with because of his uh, escapades with. Uh, Nathan Cleverly, uh, but obviously we're familiar with Fonfara because of his previous bout with uh, Adonis Stevenson that went the distance. Stevenson picked up a unanimous uh, unanimous decision, which is unheard of really in an Adonis Stevenson fight because he's yep. absolutely lauded and he knocks people out for fun. Uh, the WBC light heavyweight championship is on the line. It's a good fight, but I fully anticipate Adonis Stevenson to come through this. He needs to come through this yeah. because he has to get on the mic off the back end of this fight Stop bot. I don't know what's happened regarding um, Andre Ward and Kovalev. There's tons of rumours that mm-hmm. this should have been made, should not have been made. He got off of this, he got off of that. It's not happened, right? Nope. You have to get on the mic and say, right, whatever happens in that fight, lads, I'm your next. Yeah. Come on. Whoever's got, whoever's got them belts, bring it all here. I'll bring me green and gold and let's get it on properly. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think, to be honest with you, though, you know, Fonfara's been active. He hasn't been sitting on the shelf. He's coming off the best win of his career when he knocked out Chad Dawson earlier this year. Yeah. You know, he comes into this fight, as I like to say, with his tail up. And, uh, you know, I think this is a tough fight for Stevenson because Fonfara will come in with a bit of confidence going, you hit me last time and you didn't get me out of there. So, and I'm, I've been active and you haven't. I think it's a, it's a dangerous fight for Stevenson, but it's also talking about fighters marking time. Like, what does Stevenson want to do with his legacy? Does he mm. not want to define his legacy? Does he not want to prove himself as the best, you know, light heavyweight of this generation? Because you, you don't do it sitting on the bench. You do it, you've got to be out there fighting. And let's be honest, you know, Andre Ward and Kovalev have put this, light, this weight class right in the public eye. 
this guy is tailor made to fight the winner of the rematch. Should we went to rematch of sorted? So yeah, absolutely. He's got to put in a big performance this weekend. And he's got to put his name out there. Joe Smith Jr. Of course, that's a that's a great fight for him as well. But for me, he's got to win big. He's got to do it on Saturday. He's got to do win big against Fonfara in this rematch, and then he's got to make sure he's at Kovalev Ward because his career could pass him by. Joe Smith Jr., um, obviously the geezer that knocked Bernard Hopkins out of the, the ring. He's yeah. also beaten Fonfara. He's got Fonfara on his record. Yeah, I'm sure right. he has. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, there's another fighter that might have gone under the radar with a lot of fight fans, but he's definitely somebody that we need to be talking about in that light heavyweight mix. But let's be honest, we've been talking about um, trilogies, the best fighting the best, the golden age of boxing. Light heavyweights, let's be straight. Donnie Stevenson, Andre Ward, Sergei Kovalev. Yeah. Don't get better than that in the light heavyweight division. Awesome. Fight each other. Exactly. Ward and Kovalev are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Great. You need to get amongst it, Stevenson. I don't care what's going on with your promoter. I don't care who's holding you back. I don't know what what is going on. Yeah. You're in charge of your own career, mate. Take, con- take control of it and get yourself in that mix because I want to see your punch power up against. Me too. Up against Kovalev. Can you imagine him and Kovalev? I know. Fire. Gun show, innit? They could knock each other out in the first 30 seconds. Exactly. Both of them let on deck like a Rocky-style thing. That'd be absolutely amazing. That's happening this weekend. That's on Saturday night. Again, you'll be able to see that on British TV, so make sure you check it out. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Right, other things that have been going on in the world of boxing that I just want to touch upon to finish on uh, today's show. Uh, Nick is extremely disappointed uh, with Prince Nazim Hamid because he didn't flip the top rope in Sheffield (laughs) at the weekend. (laughs) He flipped a couple of burgers, I know that. I don't know about flipping the top rope. Honestly, straight away, Nazi's in the ring, he's doing an interview, he's chatting away to the crowd at Bramall End, and then Nick... You had pals around your house, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, I didn't see the start of this. Did he flip the top rope? <laughs> I said, look at the size of him, man. There's no way that he's flipping that. He break the bloody ring. I love Naz, though, man. He was me. He Do was what me he wants, can't he? Yeah, he's fucking great. I love Do what Naz. you want, Naz. Do what you want. Listen, a bit of news. Tyson Fury, man. What the fuck is going on with Tyson Fury? Being told why, why are we still waiting for Ooh. some kind of decision from UKAD? Three weeks on from what was supposed to be... You know, the, the the meeting where they either cleared them or banned them or whatever. British Boxing Board of Control are saying they're waiting for UKD's yeah, decision. Yeah. UKD are now saying it could be October. That's right, yeah. It's fucking outrageous. It, I can't believe it would take this long. Sure. Aren't they, are they not taking food off his table now? Robbing him of his career? Yeah, they are. It's bonkers. I don't, I don't know why it's taking them so long to get the house in order. Mm, October is what we're being told, and that's it. That's all the news that we've got at this moment in time. But the British Seems border, never ending. Well, the border control can't do anything unless he's cleared from this anti-doping situation. Can't, exactly. They can't do out. You yeah, can't give his can... licence back unless they get the all clear from I the anti-doping. I just don't get it. They, they either test them, test his B-sample. What, you know, okay, he tested positive for a Nandalone, wasn't it? A Nandalone mm. thing, and... Uh, he had issues outside of it and he's kind of fessed up to all that and he's kind of he's willing to take his punishment but when they originally tested him they they admitted that it was because of his diet so they asked exactly. him and Huey Fury to change their diets and they did Yeah, and this was all before the Klitschko fight exactly. this was before it and bear in mind Tyson's never failed a drug test in the run up to that this one test either he's had his licence taken off him for cook yeah, yeah. Not, obviously not performance enhancing. He's, you know, let's, recreation. Let's call it a party drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been he's been doing all that. I mean, there's loads of different aspects to this. It's but not, listen, but it the ain't point is, dry. The, the point is, is that it's going on too long. You're exactly. taking food off a man's table. It needs to be sorted because if you know, you're banning him, ban him. Exactly. And let's get on with it. Exactly. Get, but he needs a he needs a ban date. He can't just be banned indefinitely while we sort this thing out. Yeah. It's like if he's banned, just tell him he's banned until a certain date. Or if you want to go take that route, go right. You're banned for life. At least. At least tell him. You know, I, I just don't. I don't think it's fair. I think it's kind of. It feels like it's getting personal against Tyson Fury now. Mm, yeah, it is. It's like, come on, sort your fucking selves out. Either ban him or let him fight again. Mm. Um, you're just taking me off on a little tangent there, and got me all angry. And I don't. I didn't want to get too angry. But you know, I like to be angry on the show. That's mm. like my goal. <laughs> like angry Nick. Because this is going to get me even more angry now about. Um, brilliant Olympic prospects fighting bums. Yeah. I'm referring to uh, Michael Conlon, who uh, was in action no. over in Chicago on Friday night, did a job on a kid that probably, you know, I could probably give a good fight to, the kid that uh, Michael Conlon was fighting against. Let's not waste his talent, man. No, exactly. Let's get him in there. He's obviously signed to, he's signed to top rank, Top rank, yeah. <clears throat> but they had that amazing start on St. Patrick's Day, fighting at Madison Square yeah. Garden the night before. You know, it's like, you built him up this amazing prospect, and wow, let's get excited about this guy. And his first opponent was great. You know, it worked. We bought in. You've got us now. We want to watch his career now. Give him another good one. Second fight, put him in with an absolute bum. 
Yeah. It just made no sense whatsoever. Um, the rumours are is that he's going to be on uh, Pacquiao Jeff Horn undercard wow. in, in Australia. He's going under because obviously Bob Arum, uh, heavily yeah, connected yeah, yeah. to Pacquiao, he's going to be doing that with top rank. He's going down under to fight down there. The Irish continent will be out in full Stick force. him in with the fucking Australian national champion then. You know, put him in with someone good. I know he's only a young lad, Michael Connolly. He's got time on his side. But he smash him up. But put him in with someone, someone decent, yeah. Mm. Uh, get him involved with that, no doubt. Uh, Michael Conlon, we're excited about him, but we've got to have uh, a decent opponent. Um, well, you'll lose us. You like, if you keep putting him in with bums like that, we're going to stop tuning in until he, until two years. Let's forget about him for two years. Mm. We don't want to do that because the kid's a talent. Mm. Andrew Selby, let's talk about him because we're talking about Friday Night Boxing, obviously. Yep. Uh, Conlon was in action um, over stateside, but here in the UK, Andrew Selby um, was doing his thing. Now, Andrew Selby is a thing of beauty, my friend. Absolute thing of beauty. I love a switch hitter. For me, the best... I thought you are talking about the pencil moustache and the no, mini no, no. goatee. No, no, The beard's shit. You need to shave that off, right? <laughs> However, I love a switch hitter. I, even, I love a switch hitter with power even more. Robbie Davis Jr., I know you listen to this show, Sunshine. You've got my thumbs up. You're the best switch hitter in the country by an absolute country mile because you put people to sleep. Andrew Selby looks amazing. Looks absolutely amazing. I can't get enough of watching him. Yeah. But then I realised that he ain't putting anybody over. No. And I think to myself, oh, what a shame. Yeah. What a shame. Because look at this talent. I would love to be able to fight like this. Look at this guy. He's, school- he's schooling this kid. Yeah. Even though he was down in the first 30 seconds of this fight, I'm thinking, you look amazing, sunshine. But I know you're not putting him away. I know yeah. he ain't going anywhere. What a shame. I know it is. If he had a little bit more zip in his punches, a little bit more power, he'd be a, he'd be a superstar, wouldn't he? Let's mm. be honest. Because... Uh, it's all about levels, don't get me wrong. I think he was a, a level above this guy, even though Rosales had a decent record. Um, I think he is beyond this level. Don't forget, he, you know, he, he spars with their kids, so he's obviously had a, had a will. Well, used to be in a will. Well, let me, get, level, so. let, let me get on to that, right? Because obviously uh, Paul Dempsey is uh, hosting the Channel 5 fight night for mm-hmm. Cyclone. He does the BT one as well. Love yeah. Paul Dempsey, I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, core commentary, Carl Frampton. It's a Cyclone show, of course it's Carl Frampton. Why not? What do you do? You get Lee, uh, Lee Selby in the in the mix as well. Now yeah. I'm thinking to myself, right? Okay, yeah, okay. Andrew Selby just put on performance. He's won the fight quite outright. Just give him a couple of questions. Don't don't waste your interview here now, right? Just give him a couple of questions. Let's get on to these two. Let's get yeah. right in their ribs. Hell and, yeah! And let's start a fight between the pair of them, right? Yeah. He only did one question at the end. No. Only did what I'd have gone right in there. I said, listen, Lee boy, right? what's exactly. going on here, son? Who do you want? You want him, don't you? Are we having it? Carl, come on, sunshine. Do you want him? Where do you want to do it? Do you want to do it at Windsor Park? Do you want to do it at Cardiff Arms? Doesn't matter. Let's do it, Millennium Stadium. Let's get this fight on. Exactly. Everybody wants to see those boys going in there, don't they? Yeah. Forget this talk, Carl, about stepping up. Let's get it on with this lad here. This is who you want to fight. Selby, to his credit, he called him out there and then. Yeah, yeah, he said, listen, I want him. Let's get it on. Carl kind of deflected it a little bit by saying, well, my management and his management are talking. and all. Don't give me that bollocks. That means he doesn't want it. Get on with it. Just get it on. That, that to me means that Frampton doesn't want it. And then we know because Frampton's talking about moving up to Super Feather, that's why mm. it's potentially not going to happen. But it, I was embarrassed more for, for Dempsey. Well, hang on. Dempsey, on Dempsey, because that was my original point. Mm-hmm. If you're a TV broadcaster now exactly. and you want somebody to stir some shit up, give us a ring, right? Yeah, yeah. We will we'll do it. Just bring us in for that interview. But I'm just worried that because it was a Cyclone show, as Dempsey been told by McGuigan, listen, don't be staying in the pot there because Franson's going up a weight division. Don't get involved. But in doing so, He's left himself open to the from us, like members of the media, like we are, to go like, why the fuck didn't you ask them about the That's fight? The You're fight. not doing your job. That's the fight. His job is to start a fight there, whether it happens or not. Doesn't matter. He needed to. Well, this is all. This may not have even happened, but Dempsey should have gone. Whoa, whoa! I can't do that. I'm fucking broadcasting to the yeah, nation. Yeah, yeah. I need to talk about what every fight fan watching this wants to know. We don't care about Andrew Selby giving us thank you speech at the end of the fight. Nobody cares. We just want to get back to Selby and Frampton. Lee Selby and Frampton to go, come on then, boys. When's it going to be? Mm. To be fair to uh, Dempsey, he has lost his job in the past for not uh, dancing to David Hayes tune. David Hayes binned him off from, uh, from his uh, TV broadcasting <laughs> yeah. because he asked him the wrong questions. Whatever, Dave. Yeah. Anyway, um, for me, all you needed to do, a little bit of Andrew Selby. Well done, Andrew. Fantastic performance there. You're moving up. Da-da-da-da. What about right. your kid fighting Frampton? Right, let's get on to your brother now. Let's get on to your brother now. How are you, lads? You're all here now. Everybody's looking all right. When are you two getting it on? Exactly. And step back. Throw the grenade in and exactly. walk away. That's all you need to do. It's easy. It's not rocket science. There you go. And then Selby would have said what he would have said. Maybe a bit of anti- 
antagonising. Yeah, yeah. Cole's not one for backing down. He'll probably get involved with that as well. Okay, boys, when should we do it then? When do you want to? You go to Ireland, won't you? You yeah, go to Ireland. Let's exactly. get it on. Let's there you go. I've made it for you. IBF will sanction that. Um, there was more trash talk at uh, Corbin May. Wasn't that the other night? You were <laughs> yeah, better off getting in. What's his name? The, the, uh, he did the interviews last night with Corbin May. You'd have been better off getting him in instead of Dempsey. Get a bit of Paxman. Bit of Paxman. Get Paxman. He'd have just gone, no, no, Carl. No, we want a straight answer. Are you going to fight him or not? Are you going to fight him or not? Never mind about your management. That's not their decision. What's your decision? There you go. That's what we want. Anyway, Brilliant. get, get Paxman. Fine. Get Paxman at ringside. That's Get what we Paxman want. Paxman interviewing boxers. <laughs> that's our that's our uh, suggestion to any uh, broadcaster going forward. BT, that's what you need. Go and get Paxman. Paxman. All right. Uh, just a couple of other things that have uh, come to my attention regarding sanctioning bodies. Right. Check this out. You'll love this. First one, we've alluded to it previously about the IBF and Joshua. It's not more shy from the WBA. Is no, it? no, it's IBF. This one regarding oh, uh, uh, Anthony Joshua. They want Pulev. That's yep. what they want. However, Eddie Hearn's put in a request. Right for some special discompensation in order to get. Joshua Klitschko 2-1. That's what he wants to do. Yep. We'll fight. The winner will fight Pulev, but we just want a little bit of a delay. We'll give him a brown envelope. Go away yeah, for a bit, lads. Gonna say, gonna, sounds expensive. But... We're, we're going to make this fight. IBF are considering it, but Pulev's team have kicked off. Yeah. Right. If anybody knows Pulev, go and have a word with Pulev. Just say to him, listen, we'll line you up for a million. We'll give you a million quid for doing now. Just stand aside. Yeah, yeah. Let us do this and you'll fight the winner. But he's kicking off. It's him that's causing the, uh, the, the problem at this moment in time. We're led to believe that there is a hearing this week, so we're going to find out a little bit more about hopefully whether it's going to be Joshua um, Klitschko, whether it's going to be Joshua Pulev, or whether he's going to vacate the IBF crown in order to make Joshua Klitsch- Klitschko. It'll be Klitschko. It'll be Klitschko. It'll be second fight with Klitschko, and the IBF, you're either in or you're out. It doesn't matter. There you go. Right, well, speaking about in or out, check this out. This is brilliant. Love this story. Triple G and Canelo, right? Um, for the uh, for all the marbles when it comes to the middleweight crown. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that uh, Triple G basically has uh, everything by the WBO, right? Yep. He's the boy. However, check this. Uh, Canelo is rejecting the WBC crown at this moment in time. He doesn't want the WBC belt. This is amazing, right? The reason for it is, is that he doesn't want to pay the sanctioning fees to the WBC because if you remember previously, mm-hmm. he's had a little bit of bother with the WBC. There was yep. a little bit of an hearing in the past where he was contemplating stepping... Do you remember when he relinquished his... Was it the £154 belt that he had? Yeah. He ended up relinquishing it, didn't he? And it was because the WBC wouldn't allow him extra time when he was having some type of court hearing in Mexico. He wanted to go to Mexico to sort out some outside-of-the-ring affairs. The WBC told him to do one. We want you to be fighting at this particular time, yeah. so we're going to mandate this fight. And then he ended up relinquishing that belt. Right. It might, in fact, it might have been the middleweight original. It was the original ah, middleweight belt. Now I've, I'm catching myself up here. It was the original middleweight belt. So he ended up relinquishing that original middleweight belt. And then what they did, they upgraded Golovkin straight away. Golovkin never fought for that belt. Right. So Golovkin was upgraded gotcha. straight away to become the WBC champion, which right. pissed Canelo off. So now, in this fight, you've yeah, got yeah. the IBF. So that was after Khan. After he knocked out Amir Khan, that was for the WBC belt, middleweight belt. So he had, Then I, he went back down to super welterweight to fight Liam Smith for the WBO. But they wouldn't allow him uh, a certain amount of time that he requested, and therefore he vacated the belt. And then off the back of that, they upgraded uh, Canelo, uh, Golovkin Triple G. Yeah, yeah. to be the main man, right? So yeah. all this, he's, he's got to be in his bonnet with the so WBC. So basically he's pissed off with WBC. Yes, right? So now, as we all know, when uh, a fight is sanctioned, the the sanctioning fees. So Canelo will have to pay a fee for uh, for that, all right? So you've got the IBF, you've got the IBO, you've got the WBA belts yeah. uh, that are on the line, but the WBC belt is supposed to be on the line. But Canelo's turned around, he says... Stick it. I don't want it. I'm not going to uh, be paying the sanctioning fee for that, so I don't want it. Stick it up your ass. <laughs> Go on, the little ginger prince. He's telling them what the crack is, isn't he? Brilliant. Out of all the belts, the WBC is probably the most coveted, but he don't want it. Yeah, brilliant. He has lost his rag. He's had it before. WBC. Yeah, not, I'm not interested. You, no gave it, you gave it in for free. It's mine anyway, so I'm not paying any sanctioning fees for it. To be honest, if they just fucked off all, all the belt sanctioning bodies and just said, we're just going to fight over 12 rounds to see who's the best middleweight, rig magazine belt, maybe. Mm. It wouldn't make any difference, would it? Let's they, be honest. No, From a fan's they, perspective, do we really care what belt are attached no, to this? No, not at all. They, in the Chavez Jr. fight, the WBC tried to put... Do you know like what they did with um, Crawler and Linares when they made like a diamond belt? They made, oh, yeah. a, they made some type of new belt. 
in order to get a sanctioning fee for it. Yeah. And Canelo told him to do one for that as well. So, they did, so the WBC weren't involved in that fight. He doesn't want him involved in this particular fight. Brilliant. I'm starting to like the little ginger prince. Uh, yeah, exactly. Even, even more. I love it. I love it when they push back like that. It's great. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Thank you very much for listening to our little programme. Um, much appreciated if this is the first time you've ever come across us we're here every single Wednesday man uh, and we also do uh, a boxing show for Merseyside boxing fans on Tuesdays which is available for everybody to download via our website fightdisciples.com there's a couple of quiet weeks now in the world of boxing as we like to catch our breath before we go again and get, in, get extremely excited for Kovalev Wood in a, in a few weeks time and then we'll be building up towards Billy Joe Saunders doing his thing as well um, so we're having a little bit of a a breather, but we're going to continue uh, the episode. So make sure you come back and join us uh, next Tuesday and next Wednesday for more boxing chat. Um, tomorrow's UFC show is all about the big boys, or is it about the big boys? Because Conor McGregor's not involved. It's just <laughs> no. people picking up his scraps, isn't it? The featherweight belt man. I can't wait. They're picking up his scraps this weekend. Mighty Max. So make sure. <laughs> look at him. He's already on it. This is tomorrow's show. Make sure you subscribe, uh, and we'll give you a little bit of a rundown uh, of the UFC show this weekend. Um, have a wonderful day. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.